So I don't know if you're like me, but when I was growing up, I could not wait to grow up. I just couldn't. I couldn't wait to be a teenager and to get into all the trouble that teenagers get into. I couldn't wait to like figure out, all right, where was I going to go to school? And like, who was I going to marry? And where was I going to work? And my opportunity to play for the NFL. Um, I just couldn't wait to like grow up because of all the things I pictured in my life. And it was just going to be exciting and the friends that I would have and the education that I would have and all the things in my life that I wanted. And then I realized a few things after I grew up and you might be the same way. I realized number one, life comes at you fast. It comes at you fast. We, we grow up and we go, how did I get here? Like the washing machine always breaks then. Like the car never breaks at a convenient time. Like one day you're young and fun. The next day you're buying 16 rolls of toilet paper at Costco. Like, you know, life just kind of comes at you fast. And that's just what you learn uh, as you get older. The second thing I learned is this. Self-care Caring for yourself, self-care, takes a backseat to responsibility, doesn't it? Self-care takes a backseat to responsibility. Your job gets in the way. Uh, children, I don't want to say children get in the way, but yeah, they kind of do. Um, your, uh, all your responsibilities, all your adulting that we say, it just, it, it's, it's important and you got to get it done. But oftentimes the self-care, the part of you that wants to, you know, take care of you and do things for you so that you can be healthy, that kind of gets left behind because you got all this responsibility now that you've got to maintain and you've got to keep that going. So self-care takes a backseat to responsibility. Finally, sn- accidents happen, right? You guys know what accidents are when you eat the whole snack by accident. That's a snack accident. And it's fun becoming an adult because it's awesome because your mom and dad are not there to say, hey, only one cookie or only one pack or only one thing, you know, and you can eat as much as you want. And it's awesome. Then you feel like trash and then you got to figure out life after that. But what I want to talk to you about today is I feel like I want to share how you can use your body to care for your mental health. And I've got some personal experience in this that I'm going to share in just a little while. But I feel like there's a principle that God wants to share with us that if we can learn this principle, that your body can help your mental health. And I appreciate Jonathan and all he's done in this series so far. I've heard wonderful things from people in Kernersville. I've heard wonderful things from people in Oak Ridge about how this has benefited them so far. But I feel like God wants to teach us that there is something your body can do to help your mind to get to a healthier place. There's something your body can do to help your mind get to a healthier place. Because here's what I know the body's important. Our bodies are important because your body is the vehicle for you to do God's will. It just is. The body that you have, the body that God has given you, all, you know, good and bad and everything about it, it is the vehicle for you to do God's will in. So we've got to be mindful of that and we've got to learn how to take care of them because of that. Number two, we feel like we've let God down. How many of you are like me? You're like, like, oh, my body should not have gone there. My body should not have had that. 
uh, my body should not have been um, in proximity to this other person. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of things you could say is like, oh yeah, my body probably should not have gone there. We probably should not have experienced that. And we feel some element of guilt and shame even. That's not what today is about. Today is not about, oh my gosh, I feel so terrible because I've done things with my body I shouldn't have. That's not what today is about. Today is about enjoying forgiveness and moving forward in grace to go, God, what can you do with me and how can I take care of the body that you've given to me? Number three, I think we can enjoy the process, the process for good health. I think we learn how to enjoy the process and fall in love with the process. I hear Nick Saban talking about that all the time, uh, the head coach of Alabama. You fall in love with the process, let go of the outcome. If you fall in love with the process, the outcome takes care of itself. I think we can fall in love with the process for good health. And finally, your body can help your mind. Some of you understand this because you may be in the health industry, but you don't have to be in the health industry to understand this. I personally have experienced it. And I want to share what God has done in my life on the back end of this message to, to just help, help you understand that. So if God could say anything about our bodies and help us understand the significance of our bodies in all of scripture, what would he say? How would he talk about your body and my body in the scripture? What would he say? Well, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he says something very interesting and he compares our body to something very interesting that he lived with all of his really adult life until he became a Christian and he compares it to that. And we're gonna get into that. And here's the apostle Paul and here's where he's trying to redefine. He's helping all the people in Corinth who have now switched from idol worship, now they're following Jesus. He's helping them think differently about their bodies, okay? So he says, don't you realize that your body, and, he, and they don't, they don't realize it, but now they're starting to realize it. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, we don't really use the word temple very much. That's not really something in our culture, an American culture that we really talk about, but we're gonna get to that in a minute. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. The, the, the Spirit was with God in the beginning, hovering over creation. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of you, who lives in you and was given to you by God when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's when the Holy Spirit was given to you. And then he goes on to say, you do not belong to yourself, but Paul, can I do anything with my body that I want because it's my body? He says, no, you do not belong to yourself. Here's the goal. For God bought you with a high price. What's the high price? It was Jesus dying on the cross for our forgiveness. That was the high price. So because of that, you must honor God with your body. The choices that we make with our body, they must honor God. But it's interesting how Paul would compare this to the temple. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> if you know anything about Paul, he was a devout Jew, okay? He wasn't just a devout Jew. He was the um, uh, valedictorian of all the Jewish people. Like he was a Pharisee. Like whenever, anytime he said anything about 
anything. People listened to him because he was the smartest and most powerful of all the Jewish people because he was a Pharisee. And that day, that carried a lot of weight. But he grew up going to the temple. And at the temple, as a good Jew, you would make sacrifices. That was where you met with God. That was where you got clean. Your whole culture and religious life all revolved around the temple. That's not really kind of how our world works when it comes to our relationship with God, but it was then for Jewish people. And here's the thing, when neighboring armies would, would, try, to, um, um, uh, would try to demolish and come in and invade the Jewish people, the first thing they wanted to do was they wanted to tear down the temple because they knew if they tore down the temple, it would remove their national identity because they knew their whole culture, everything revolved around the temple in that day and time. As a matter of fact, I want to show you an image here. This is, uh, this is the second holiest site in all of Jerusalem. It's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. Some of you have probably been to Jerusalem to see this. And this is the second holiest site. And Jews will come along here and because this is part of Herod's temple. There were two temples that were built over time. One is Solomon's temple. Solomon built a temple to the Lord. This is the Temple Mount. See this gold dome? We're going to come back to that for a minute. But that's where, that's where the original temple stood that Solomon built built. Well, it got destroyed 600 years before Jesus was born. Then Herod came along about, about 35 to 40 years before Jesus was born. He built another temple called Herod's temple. And Herod was a builder and he just kept building and building and building and building. And the temple was huge. And he built a retaining wall because this is a mountain. He built a retaining wall and this retaining wall is what's all that's left of the temple. Okay. So Jews will come along here and they'll put prayer requests in the rocks. And because this means very, this means a lot to them. But what's interesting is the temple Mount, which is up here, the most important part of the holiest sites of all in Jerusalem is called the dome of the rock. The dome of the rock is a Muslim shrine to Abraham. Now, Abraham has his hands in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Okay but it's a, it's a Muslim shrine. So imagine this, imagine being a Jew, okay, who the holiest site that you heard all of your family talking about is now not even belong to your people. It belongs to a different group of people. Can you imagine the tension going on in the Middle East today, just knowing that information? And so Paul comes along and he says, hey, listen, this temple this doesn't mean anything anymore to you as a Christ follower. God doesn't dwell in this anymore. He dwells in your body. He dwells in your body. And the big idea that I want to communicate this morning is uh, this coming up right here. Here we go. You are worth caring for because the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. And somewhere along the way, uh, somewhere along the way we fell for something and said, I'm not worth much. I'm not worth caring for. I don't matter. I don't mean anything. I'm not worth this. I'm not worth something. I'm not. And all this negative narrative started spinning in our head from somewhere that we got. And what God wants to do is he wants you to change your narrative. He wants you to change the soundtrack in your head because you are worth caring for because the, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of you. And I like to say it like this. God is your creator. Jesus is your savior. And the Holy Spirit is your enabler. 
The Holy Spirit is your enabler. The Holy Spirit was promised by God. He is a gift to every believer. He enables you to do what God has called you to do. This is very important. The Holy Spirit, of course, we talk about in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we, we say that the result of the Spirit in your life creates a bunch of different things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Could our world use some of that right now? That is what the Holy Spirit does for you. And this isn't, this didn't say, um, he only does this for preachers. If you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a student, if you're in sales, anywhere in the marketplace, the Holy Spirit is the same for you that he is to me. And he enables you to do what God has called you to do. Not just that. I, I love this part. He gives you the desire to want to live for God. Well, that's one of my favorite things he does for us. He, when we mess up and when we sin, he restores the desire in us to want to live for God. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I've learned. When I start feeling um, feelings of unworthiness and starting to tinker with uh, thoughts of just not taking care of myself, what I've learned about that is we often lose our way when we lose our why. I want to say that again. We often lose our way when we lose our why. When I forget that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, when I forget that God lives inside of me, I just go, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Whatever. And so one of the best things that we can do is we can remember our why. And Jonathan has done such a great job of helping us remember this over the last few weeks. God made me, God loves me, and God is with me. And I have purpose, I have hope, and I am not alone. And let me tell you how this affected me 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, my sister Mandy uh, passed away of breast cancer. And, uh, and when she did, it really sent me into a time of deep reflection and pain and grief and loss. And I felt fragile and all I had known her, she's two years older than me. And all I had known was her in my life and for her to be gone, it was just so, so strange and so different and so painful. And what I wanted, I don't know if you've ever felt this way when, when, you, when you've lost somebody that means something to you, but what I wanted the world to do is I just wanted the world to stop. Just stop, stop for a minute. I, I'm not at hundred percent. I can't go hundred percent today. I can't, I, I can't show up hundred percent. I'm not hundred percent. And I just need the world to just stop and let me grieve and let me deal with this, but every, just, the world just kept going. And that's just how it feels when you lose somebody that you love. You just want the world to stop and it didn't stop. 
and I was having trouble mentally. I felt myself spiraling into some bad sinkholes mentally that I just knew I shouldn't be in. And so I decided one day, I said, God, I feel like I need to do some intentional things to take care of my temple. I feel like I need to try some intentional things instead of sitting around and just, just letting my mind spin into the cycle that I'm, I can't get out of. I need to try some things, okay? All right, so what I'm getting ready to share with you, I'm getting ready to share with you some things that I've tried that have helped me, some physical things that I chose to do with my body that helped my mind get to a better place in mental health. And these are things that I've tried. I'm not gonna talk about things I haven't done because that would be a lack of credibility and I don't wanna do that. But I'm gonna share with you some things God used in my life to help me. So here we go. Number one, I chose to walk my sass off. I chose to walk my sass off. In other words, on days when I felt bad, I walked. On days when I felt confused, I walked. On days when I felt sad, I got out and walked. In days when I felt frustrated, I got out and walked. On days when I questioned God, I got out and walked. On days when I felt like I was doing better, I got out and walked. Every single day I got out and walked. And what I started doing, the other thing was I started inviting my coworkers and people that I work with. Hey, you want to have a meeting? Let's go walk. Let's go walk the parking lot and let's talk. And when I would make a phone call to a family member and check on stuff, I'm going to walk. Every minute I could get, I decided to move my body because I knew I'd get oxygen going. It would get the cortex of the brain going, which, which handles all of our logic and reasoning part of the brain. And the more oxygen I could get to it, the better I think I could feel. And I just fell in love with walking. And I started noticing my anxiety was going down. My depression was going down. My creative thinking was going up. A lot of my best ideas I was starting to write down on my phone because all this, you know, blood and oxygen getting to my brain and I'm starting to have ideas of things I could do. And it started becoming contagious to me. And I started saying, I got to do this every day. Every single day I did. And I just found it to be helpful. So 30 minutes a day, I want to challenge you. Just get up and walk with your family. Even if you're doing, just doing this and watching television, just do something to get your body moving because what you'll find is your body will begin to respond and your brain will begin to respond as well. And you'll feel more creative. Walk your sass off. Number two, I realized that rest is sacred. I realized that rest was sacred. And I envy those of you who can sleep five hours and you wake up and you feel awesome. Please don't tell me that because that's just disappointing for people like me. I need nine and a half, maybe more to, to feel like I'm at 100%. I need a lot of sleep. And so get rest. I know this sounds crazy to say this in church, but you're gonna sleep thir a third of your life Make, make sure you got a good mattress, right? I'm starting to understand why there's so many mattress stores in the world, right? So make sure you got a good mattress. You're gonna sleep a third of your life. Make sure it's good. Okay, we need rest, seven to nine hours. Working remotely is awesome in our culture now. It's this whole phenomenon now that we, I think a lot of us are taking advantage of and it's great. But the problem with that is, our lack of boundaries when we work remotely. And God even said in the Big Ten, 
hey, have a, have a Sabbath one day a week where you're not working, where you're just turning it off. Just turn it off for one day a week and recreate. That's what it means, recreate. Recreate in you what he's put in you. So rest is sacred. This is one way that you can really take care of your temple. Number, number three, another big thing I learned in this whole process, right? Now I'm going to make some of you hungry, right? I learned how to eat the potato instead of the tater tots. Okay. I write, I hear the, oh man, right? <laughs> like eat the sweet potato, not the sweet potato fries. Like I learned how to eat real food. I don't know about you, but I grew up on McDonald's French fries, right? My, our parents, I mean, it was cheap. It was fast. We begged for it. My, we, we wore our parents down. It was McDonald's French fries. I think as I've gotten older and I've realized, hey, I need to do better for my body and my mental health. We need to learn how to eat real food, okay? Eating real food's important. I wanna share a tool with you that's been really helpful for me and my family. My son actually told us about it. It's an app called Yucca, Y-U-K-A. You can download it on your phone and when you go grocery shopping, you can scan every barcode of something you're, you wanna buy and it'll tell, you, it'll tell you two things. One, but it, it, it'll tell you on a scale of one to 100 how healthy it is and two, if it's got a lot of chemicals in it. Right. So I'm a huge popcorn lover. So I go to the popcorn aisle and I pull out my Yucca app and I'm scanning all the microwave popcorns. Bad, 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 poor, poor. You're going to die. Don't eat that. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, the only kind that was left was the popcorn in the jar that says it was excellent. And now I got to go make it myself. So so just, just want you to know there are tools out there that can help you understand some of the things you've been eating for a long time. You thought they were healthy. Just check and see if they really are. But learning how to eat real food was a big deal to me, right? That's, hard, that's crazy to say, but that is really, really important. It makes a big difference in our life. Some of you, <clears throat> think about this. How interesting and helpful would it be for you to learn how to cook again? How many of you taken, how many of you ever taken a cooking class to learn some basics and fundamentals of how to make food that is good for your body? Like nobody ever talks about that. That's really, really important. So if we're going to be healthy and we want to we want our physical health to impact our mental health so we can, we can bring our A game to our life, how we show up in our life. This is really, really important. So anyway, challenge you, yucca, it's pretty amazing. So another great way to take care of your temple. All right, another thing that God taught me in this process of me trying to get out of the spin cycle of my mental crap that I was in was, was this, this discipline right here learning the art of intentional listening, okay? Learning the art of intentional listening. What I mean by this is we, we should be very selective of what we listen to. I wanna challenge you, when you get in your car and go to work, don't just lazily turn on the radio and let anything blast into your speakers and into your mind. Don't do it. I'm asking you to be strategic when it comes to your mental health 
And I'm challenging you. And, and, and here's how God challenged me. I found stations. I found spa stations that had like waves and running water and pads of piano behind them that I play in all my most important environments. If you were to uh, have coffee with me first thing in the morning around six o'clock, you would hear in my house a spa station and me enjoying coffee by myself. If you were to hop in the car with me and go to work, you would hear this calm station of it's just, it's, now sometimes I'm, I've got leadership mode on and I've got things I'm listening to that are making me a better person. But, but a lot of the times it's calm. It's I wanna show up to work calm in my best headspace before meetings. And I've gotta bring my best thinking to whatever I'm getting ready to do. It's calm. Now I love Coldplay, I love new country, but there's a place for that. It's not before big things that I'm getting ready to do. In my office, when I'm, uh, when I'm sitting with staff and we're making decisions, it's calm music. It's helping my mind not get all cluttery with all this kind of junk and it's calming me down. So finding ways, finding ways to listen intentionally. Think about the sound environment you want in your life. Don't just turn stuff on and let it just hit you. Choose the mood you want to be in. Choose the thinking that you want to have and go find those sounds that help stimulate. God built us with senses for a reason and go find those sounds that help you think best, that calm you down, that calm your blood pressure, that help you think better. Choose those and make it happen. Some of the other things I chose in this process were I chose to listen to certain friends. I chose to, when I was struggling at this particular time, I, I leaned on some people that uh, in my life that I knew uh, I could count on for encouragement. There's just some people that are not built that way. There's some people that are, and you, you speak to the people that are. There, there, are narr there were narratives in my head that I had to change. You and I all, ha all have self-talk and your self-talk is either helping you or hurting you right now right now, what you're saying to yourself. And you need to think about, are the voices in my head and the self-talk I'm practicing right now, is it helping me or hurting me? Is it building my confidence or is it destroying my confidence? Is it helping me to be positive or is it making me feel negative? And so you need to think about those things when it comes to learning and it's an art and it's a skill to be able to learn how to do this. And sometimes it's like a guardrail. You don't know that you need it until you hit the guardrail and go off the road. And then you go, oh, that's why they put the guardrail there. And so in, the, in your life, all these practices are working together. It's kind of like a compound effect. If you're familiar with that, all these practices begin to compound. And by walking and by listening and having a better sound environment around you and by eating better food and getting better rest, all these things start working together and, and, you're, and you physically begin to feel better, but mentally you begin to come alive again. That's the compound effect of all these disciplines and rituals that you begin to put in place. And finally, one of my favorite ones, <clears throat> I learned how to do this. And I feel like God impressed this on my heart during this time. I learned how to help people who I knew could never do anything back for me. 
I had to choose how to put other people first in my life so that it would take the attention off me and put it on somebody else. One of the things we need and one of the things why God gave us to each other is it helps us take the attention off of us and put it on others. And one of the best things that we can do is help other people who in no way can ever pay us back. There's a uh, story of Viktor Frankl, an Austrian psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor. And he was invited into the Viennese hospital system back in the 40s. And inside this hospital system, they were struggling with, with suicides. They were struggling with people that were just not wanting to live anymore. Men and women, all these suicides were out of control and they weren't able to stop them. And they were trying to figure out how can we get this to stop? And, and what kind of help do they need? We don't know. So they called him in and said, Victor, we got a problem. These people are wanting to end their life and we've got nothing. Our medication is not working. All this is not working and not, nothing's working. He said, all right, I'm going to develop a therapeutic process. And it's a three-step process. But the first step in the process, the first step in the process, and this is what he did. He said, I'm going to challenge every person that is on suicide watch to find a project to do that if you don't, someone will suffer. There was no more suicides. What in your life could you do that if you could do it, no one else would suffer? Don't just go looking for a great job. Don't just go look for the highest paycheck. Find something that you can do where if you gave your life to it, other people wouldn't suffer. That's a life worth living for. And one of the things God will do in your mind and in your heart as you're helping people who can't do anything for you is he will begin to build you and put you back together again. Three of the hardest things to say in life. I always say this, three of the hardest things to say. <laughs> Number one, I was wrong. Number two, I need help. And number three, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> it's okay to say I need help. It's okay to say I need help. It's okay I, I, to say I need to start somewhere. Jesus said, hey guys, I don't want you to think about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Just think about today and between now and the time you go to bed. That's it. Don't worry about all that stuff. Tomorrow will take care of itself. It'll be here and you can think about that when it comes. But today, Jesus said the kind of lifestyle I want you to live is just think about now and now and the time you go to bed. Don't worry about all this other stuff. So I wanna challenge you. I've said a lot. What is one habit, whether it's walking, whether it's resting, whether it's eating real food, whether it's learning the art of listening with intention or whether it's serving those who cannot serve themselves. 
What is one thing you could do this week that you could experiment? Just try it, just experiment. I'm gonna try this. Guy at church said I should try it. Let's see if it works. I wanna challenge you and I'm telling you from experience, God was able to take me out of a very dark place and he restored me again. And this is not just me, it's us. It's how we're wired. It's the take the body that God has given you, your temple, and learn how to use it for your mental health. You can do this. We love you. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for my friends that are in this room, my friends watching online and my friends at Oak Ridge. And God, so many of us are just, we're just struggling. We're struggling with mental health and all different types of challenges that come with that. We've all probably have been there before. But God, I think what you've taught us today is that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there are ways that our body can help our mind, but we must be intentional. It's not just going to happen. We must be intentional. And I know it's hard to do like four and five and six things all at one time, but help us God just walk away from this message and just inviting in one new practice, just one new practice that we can do physically that is gonna help us mentally show up better in our life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.